I would like to know about your shitty mood and, and how it's how, how it's been this week. Your shitty week, I should say, not your shitty mood. That sounds awful. It has been a bit of a shitty mood as well, to be fair, so it's absolutely fine. You're listening to Ear, Brain, Heart, an experiment in showing up. I'm Mark Stedman, and I find the mind to be a complex and fascinating ball of yarn. Luckily, I'm with someone who's got a good set of fingernails, so they can hopefully help me pick it apart. That person is Nick Pomeroy. Nick is the founder and creative director of design consultancy Background. He's written about his own experiences with depression, talks openly about it, and offers a friendly ear to anyone who needs to talk. Running a small business, especially solo, can be isolating, stressful, and frankly triggering. I've experienced depression on and off since my 20s and I'm getting a little better at seeing the signs and asking myself what I need right now. And that's where we pick up the conversation. It's definitely something I've got better at predicting in recent years than I ever used to be. It's then just sort of knowing how to how to address it in the right way when as busy people in a world that's busy, you've got limited time to do stuff that's just for that rather than, oh, I've got a to-do list as long as my arm. I've realised one slight trigger for this one, actually, which, again, is something that I've been grappling with for a long time, is uh, health anxiety. So I'm currently feeling quite anxious about my health and have been for a few weeks because I, I basically, to cut a very long story short, I've been having chest pains and chest tightness and things, which is probably anxiety. Not always, potentially. So then the catastrophizing kicks in and then you into that and then you can't get out of it because then as soon as the pain happens again, you're like, oh no, I thought, <laughs> I thought I'd moved past this and then I'm writing it again. Um, so that's definitely one trigger for, for this time. And I am definitely getting better at predicting it. And thankfully I've got a, I've got a family around me who I'm very open and honest with about what's going on and they tend to know when I'm starting to tip as well and know what I need when I am tipping. I wonder about this, and it sometimes makes me a little bit self-conscious, uh, or, or, or which could then lead, lead to its own anxiety. Do you find that people notice things before you've noticed anything yourself? Sometimes, definitely. So when I started my business, I uh, had been working for an agency for seven years, and by and large, it had been brilliant. I started as a, the only designer in the team, worked my way up to head of creative, running the team and managing all of that and introducing new services and things like that. So career-wise, it had been brilliant. Personally, it had been brilliant because I'd met so many people I love that I'm still in contact with, made loads of good friends. Uh, but in the years leading up to me leaving and going out on my own, I'd become very stressed, very anxious, carrying every all the weight of the team on my shoulders when I didn't need to. And... I didn't realise actually how bad it was. I, th I knew it was somewhat bad, but I didn't realise how bad it was until I left and I had my first day of working on my own. And and this, this is not me slagging off this business, by the way, because they were brilliant and really supportive with my mental health stuff because I was honest with them as well. But I didn't realise how in it I was and a weight lifted as soon as I'd had a had a new experience basically i wasn't in the in that uh water wheel or whatever the hell that analogy is for being in that perpetual motion machine and i finished that day and was chatting to my wife and she was like 
Yeah, I've known that you were insanely stressed and insanely anxious for like a year or two. And I tried to talk to you about it and you kept sort of being like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. But yeah, because I, I think subconsciously I was just carrying on pretending it was okay to try and make sh- make it okay rather than actually addressing it. Wily coyoteing uh, your yes. way through. Yeah, it's just as long as you, you can you can run clear off the edge of the cliff. As long as you don't look down, you're absolutely fine. Yeah, so definitely in some instances, people realise it before I do. Yeah. yeah. That that can be such a double... Well, for me anyway, it can feel like such a double-edged sword because then you're carrying the weight of other people's concerns. And it's like, right, okay, I must feel better now because people are relying on me to feel better. It's important that, that they feel that I'm feeling... You know, and then it just you just get into a whole, a whole cycle. Yeah, definitely. And it <laughs> then makes it worse, doesn't it? Because you've then got the pressure of doing it. And it's definitely something I still struggle with is acknowledging that I'm feeling down when it's when I can sense it hitting what I should do is talk to people that I can sense it creeping up on me but because I don't want to be a burden on people I let it build and let it build and pretend it's not there hoping it'll go away in the short term and then inevitably have to have that conversation at some point because it has actually landed yeah, I, I feel like it's probably easier to to ask for a little bit of help than three months down the line. Go, oh, sorry about the last three months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been an absolute nightmare. <laughs> I'd love to know about um, the 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 leaving of the job and the the founding of background and how all of that sort of played into your to your mental health story because that feels pretty sort of meaty. I think um, because I know myself, like I often so often crave stability when I'm feeling, uh, you know, if I'm feeling unmoored, if I'm feeling depressed, it's like often stability is what I crave. But then sometimes I guess it's autonomy. So yeah, I'd love to know like how all of that played in. Right. So for context, I set up my business in November, 2020. So third lockdown, second lockdown, I I can't remember. Time is irrelevant to me. It is flat circle. (laughs) Um, Somewhere in there. And during covid and all the lockdowns for some reason well i know the reason really it that was the one of the best periods of my life for mental health contrary to what all the news was and what everyone else was saying about how terrible it was and i it took me a while to realize it but i think the reason for it was while i absolutely loved my job while i loved my team while i loved the people i was working with and was working on some fun projects and things and had a career progression. I, prior to COVID, took on, if I was in an office, took on everybody else's stress that was in that office. So if someone, even over the room, nothing to do with me was stressed, I was stressed. And COVID allowed me to sort of take a step back. And because I couldn't see that stress, I was only responding to the stresses that I was going through with projects and managing and all that sort of stuff. I was actually able to deal with that and was mentally fine because I wasn't I wasn't allowing myself the capacity really to see that stress of the wider team. And it could have been on fire. I don't know. I don't think it was. <laughs> and nothing was ever on fire. I, I, I work in design and marketing and things. No, nothing I do is critical of life, health, anything like that. It's, I'm selling things to people. It's, uh, in the crux, the industry I work in. 
So none of it's critical, but at times it felt like it was. And allowing to be, allowing myself to sort of, well, no, not allowing myself because it was forced by COVID, but having that space to just sort of be myself and go uh, do what I wanted to do and not be reactive really helped me. And it helped me create a sense of work-life difference that I hadn't felt in a long time. And again, it was my own fault that I had not felt it, but that I hadn't had for a long time. So that was one of the reasons. And I can't quite remember your question, but... <laughs> well, we, we can we can sort of put a pin in the question because I'd love to explore the effect of empathy and the the sort of the, the darker side of, of being, I guess, an empath, which it sounds like you might be. Because if, you know, if, if you are reflecting and feeding off the stress, not feeding, but definitely sort of reflecting the stress of other people who are physically around you, that compounds and that that's so difficult to deal with. And so it makes a lot of sense. And I, th- I think one of the one of the things that the pandemic has helped people realize is their own needs when it comes to an office environment. Some people, I think there's probably been a lot more ADHD diagnoses. This is a pure cod mm-hmm. psychology guess but i would imagine in the last couple of years there's probably been more people seeking diagnoses for adhd because they realize they can concentrate and they can create and manufacture their own environments a lot easier without you know having to manage lots of different people and and, and all of their specific needs yeah uh, and you know janet wants the radio on but steve absolutely has to work in silence and then there's conflict and then there's stress and then you're taking that on and blah. Yeah, definitely. I again, I'm not a psychologist, but I know firsthand four people that have been diagnosed in the last year <laughs> that I had no idea they had ADHD, yeah. and I see a lot more of it on LinkedIn and things. And part of that's because the people that I know have been diagnosed talk openly about it, so I mm. see their posts and then see everybody else that's also in that community. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because. I have loads of other friends and things that need to be in that office environment, but I very quickly realised that I, and I'm very routine driven myself, I need to be in my own space that I've curated and I've set up and my own technology and the distractions I allow into myself rather than allowing other people to to distract that. Um, And from an empath perspective, I'd say I was an empath probably, but the caveat to that is I also have quite a selfish streak at times, much to my loved one's annoyance. Um, but I don't always think of others, but I definitely feel their emotion. And then it, it, other people's vibe, shall we say, when I'm with them massively affects my own. And I, I tend to mirror it back. So being one of the great things I can do for my mental health is not, having and being open about it really helps me but being around people who are quite sort of chatty and excitable and optimistic and content rather than doom and gloomy type of people that tend to moan about a lot of stuff all the time and i'm not thinking of anyone specific Uh, (laughs) but it definitely helps like this evening i'm going out for drinks with a couple of friends. And I I know for a fact tomorrow I'll feel a lot more positive because I'll have had an evening with people that are giving me life rather than adding to my mood. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so we we pick up the story then with you sort of realizing in November 2020 that um, you are you, you feel far better off mentally working from home, and then at some point, I guess we get to a we get to a a, a decision or a chasm has has to be crossed. Well, November was when I launched, so November was ah, right. the month I transitioned into uh running my own business um the i it's something that i've wanted to do for a long time i think at, at my interview for my previous job i told them within where where do you see yourself in five years running my own agency that's i told them that in my interview so it was always on the cards what that looked like has changed over the years based on how my life changed and how my desires for work changed um so it had always been on the cards and it, there was a few months planning in there and things. But yeah, November was when I sort of left and started. Um, and it's been brilliant for my mental health. It's been the best decision I made. But I am also very strict about my own mental health with my business. So, um, and I can send you a link to a an uh, article I wrote for Leeds Mind about this in terms of setting boundaries and working with people that I wanted to work with rather than other types of business that might put profit over purpose or just be about profit and things. I need something more really. I, so I've I've kind of changed a lot about the kind of work I do, the people I work with, and my routine of work is quite regimented because that's what I need. I need that routine to have the structure of my working day. And I'm very picky about sort of, well, no, not picky. I'm quite belligerent about not working, <laughs> not working on projects that I know will be negative for me. Um, so I was, at a, I was at a wedding party a couple of weeks ago and there was a lovely chap there who ran um, a business that was looking for VC and funding and he needed a pitch deck doing for a round of funding and he was chatting to me about it and I was like it's not really my kind of projects that industry is not really my kind of thing but we know common people like mm. we get on um and then he said I need it next Thursday I'm like, no not doing mm -hmm. it even if I was entirely free that week I wouldn't have done it because it's just not the pressure I need in my own head I, I'm not about that anymore how do you communicate that decision to someone who's looking to work with you? I don't really, um, but I'm just quite firm on timings. If if they've got an unrealistic deadline or it's not one I can commit to, I'll tell them. And then if they don't want to work with me, fine. And then I'm just realistic about timings and say this is if if we if we're going ahead on this project, this is how long it's going to take. And then I'm careful with how I put those timing plans together and make sure that's realistic for me not taking the piss in terms of taking too long um and also then if i know i've got a, a busy few weeks with a load of meetings or whatever i'll then deliberately leave space in that for me to have time off if i need it or not be running at 100 miles an hour so if you're presented with um a, an opportunity uh, or an invitation to work with someone who you feel that is going to have a, a negative effect. Maybe it's not necessarily on timing, but you know, a company that is putting pro uh, profit over purpose. Is that a conversation that you have with people or do you just say, no, I'm not available? <laughs> it depends how busy I am. 
is yeah. is the truthful answer because <laughs> uh, there are times when everyone needs to do some work that doesn't tick all your boxes, right? Yeah. Um, but I'll always, if it's absolutely opposed to what I do, there's certain industries I wouldn't work in. If it's abs- if it's one of them, I wouldn't even entertain it. If it's one that's on the fence, then I need a couple of other boxes ticked. So. The, for instance, I, I rebranded, uh, no, named and branded someone uh, last summer, I think it was, who was a HR firm, new, a new startup HR firm, um, and hopefully she won't mind me talking about this. The reason I went for it in the end and was really excited and passionate about it, it wasn't because it was HR, because HR, um, without offending all your HR mm-hmm. listeners, uh, but what what struck a chord for me and it's linked back to the first message you see on my website is I like designing brands with a story greater than their own and her story was incredible she'd been Mm. super high-flying HR person for years and I'm going to slightly butcher this story I think but um, unfortunately had to give up what she did for reasons outside of her control and over time she was getting the ability to do it again and I don't, I'm trying to deliberately be light mm-hmm. on details. Yeah. Um, she was getting the ability to do it again and wanted to get back into that world. And I got the opportunity to make that happen for her, with her, mm-hmm. to give her that opportunity and get her old life back. That, to me, is purpose over profit, even though her business goals are profit. Yeah. So yeah. it's why I always say it's about the story, not necessarily just the purpose. Because there are some well-meaning purpose-led businesses that don't have a story that will connect with anybody and all of the branding work i do has to be driven by that story because otherwise what's connecting with your customers at the end of the day so you you've already mentioned the benefit of being able to work on your own uh, and and create your own environment as a, as a benefit to your mental health going freelance what other positive um, impact has it had? Um, I think a work-life balance means many things to many different people. Mm-hmm. There's a couple that spring to mind for me. It's being able to have set periods where I am working and sort of hyper-focusing, although I don't like the term, and then being able to completely switch off. So this room that I'm in is my office. It's also where my dog sleeps. But I also play some games in here with friends and stuff like that. Like it's a, it is a multi-purpose room, but because of the way I've set up, I can easily turn off one versus the other. So in my mind, and I know that was a problem for a lot of people when they were working from home during COVID, was multi-purpose rooms, you end up taking the work home with you even more so than leaving it in the office. For me, it was the opposite because I was very, I was able to, set myself the boundaries and because I was starting my own business, set my own boundaries of I'm not going to check emails on an evening. I'm not going to work late. If if I'm working late, something's gone wrong in the planning. So I need to be better at planning. Um so I'm I'm strict with that. I'm strict with when I work I think I've worked like three times in the last two years on when running my own business, which is pretty good. And I might have lost out on money by not doing that, but it's made me happier, which is the best thing. And the other is allowing myself days where I'm not very productive or, and if I'm not productive, so if I'm having a rough morning, I'll get the priority stuff I need to do. And then 
even if it's a Tuesday, a random Tuesday or whatever, just stop. I'll come back to it. So I'm not in the right frame of mind. I won't do the best work I can do. I'll only end up making my problem worse if I try and power through and just get stuff done. I'm very deliberate in stopping if it's not feeling right and coming back to it. And that might be swapping onto something that doesn't need the same brain power. So if I'm doing admin and struggling, then I'll swap onto something creative or vice versa, or I'll go for a run or just leave and go play computer games or go play with my dog or whatever it is. And it might be two hours later, I'm ready to do some more work or I'll just take the rest of the day off and allowing yourself the space to make those decisions, which is something I can do now, obviously, because it's just me, right? (laughs) It's, It's much easier to do. What I need to try and what you have to be careful of with that is not allowing yourself to do that just because you don't want to do something (laughs) and having a procrastination problem. It's doing it when you need it rather than when you want it. Because sometimes you just have to get stuff done, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I watched a great video um, last week about uh, ADHD and motivation and um, how people with ADHD can... Uh, find ways to bridge the gap between what they feel like doing and what they know that they're supposed to for whatever reason. And, and like there, there are little things of ways that you can create urgency that are sort of healthy. Like um, a great example was if you want to get your house cleaned, invite a friend over because that will, <laughs> that will, yep. that will motivate you. And, um, you know, because yes, artificial deadlines or, or those kinds of things can be unhelpful and unhealthy if, if you don't need them. And also we're smart people. So we can go, yeah, that's not a real deadline. I'll, I can, I know I can put it off until the real one. Because I think if you, t- if you speak to certain people in certain circles, it can feel like you tell them there's all this stuff I don't want to do. And then they'll say, well, don't do them then. You, you should be able to have the kind of business that you just do the things that you want to do. And it's like, well, <laughs> sure. I don't think it works like that. Um, you know, there are things that, that we don't have to do. And so the ways that we can do them is finding, finding ways that make them, uh, if not fun and enjoyable, then at least not suck. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. And there's, there's definitely some stuff that, like, I'm not an accountant. I've got an accountant. Like that side of stuff, I don't want to do. That was a very early decision. Like I'm getting an account day one. And there's certain other things where money money allowing, allowing sorry, um, that I wouldn't do myself. And it's finding those ones where is it something that you don't want to do and aren't good at? Yeah, and there's no benefit to you trying. Yeah, then see if you can outsource it. If it's something that you're actually quite good at but just don't like doing and it doesn't take that long, then finding ways to just get it done within your normal schedule is definitely the way to go. Yeah. Pomodoro techniques and you know yeah. all sorts of other little ways to, to do things, yeah. And I, I, I really I enjoy you talking about – because I've become worse, I think, over the last – year or so i think because the last year I've, I've had this sort of scarcity mindset of i must get work in and i must do you know this, this that and the other and it's it's all felt quite fraught and i haven't really given myself those moments sure i've taken you know weekend well most weekends off uh well most sundays off uh well half of us you know <laughs> start dividing up the time um but but doing sort of less of a of a good job of of just saying like yeah I'm I'm today I'm just I'm not feeling it or 
or I just I have the space today. Like I don't have to just grind something out. I don't have to move a bit of my website slightly to the left just because it feels like doing work. I could actually sit on the Nintendo Switch for a bit, or go for a walk, or or go out for coffee or whatever, and allow yourself to do these things because that's part of what we're supposed to be able to do as people who work for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm very fortunate in a lot of ways. So since I made the decision to start my own business, I've had a steady stream of contract work, which has meant largely, not every month, but largely my bills are covered. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't, when I've been able to sort of switch off or not be frantically running at a thousand miles an hour to find that next piece of work, it's because I've had the reassurance that I've got continual work that isn't fully the work I want to be doing in terms of my own private clients, but it has so many other benefits, again, to my mental health, that if I don't have to worry about money, I'm a lot happier, (laughs) Um, as I'm sure everybody is. So I'm not aiming to have no contract work because A, it brings me financial security. B, it gets me to work on a lot of projects that I otherwise wouldn't have access to, which improves my ability to do my job. It makes me a better person at my job. And also it brings me an element of team as well. And that's not to be forgotten when you're working for yourself is that it's really bloody lonely sometimes. It's really lonely. And if you allow that to consume you and only be alone during your work, which is what working in your own space does, it that can get you down as well. So having those days where I am with others, I am in a team, I'm having communication does really help me from a mental health perspective and a business perspective. So if if we can, I'd love to get into some of those, looking at loneliness, some of those trickier aspects of working for yourself um, in terms of mental health. What are the kinds of of struggles that, that that you've faced? So definitely loneliness at times, um, especially in the winter months, uh, that affects me as well. I guess some of it, there's an element of imposter syndrome that I think everybody goes through at uh, at a point in their life, but when everything is on you and you're charging certain fees and things, you're like, am I taking the piss? Am I, is what I'm doing worth that amount of money to someone? Is that the right thing? Is my process right? Because again, uh, when I'm doing it myself, you don't see as many other processes and you don't have input of other people. So you've got a lot of pressure to be making the right decision and be giving the right advice and to be doing stuff in the right way to get the result that the client wants. So there can be a lot of pressure and imposter syndrome stuff that comes out. Um, And what I said before about contracting and things, when I get a sense that that might be drying up or whatever, that's when it's like, oh, damn, right, okay. Now, that is potentially a bad sign, and how do we solve that? So that that can then become overwhelming, and you start worrying and catastrophizing the next sort of three to six months of where's my money coming from, how, who's paying my mortgage, will I be able to do whatever, like that sort of stuff. Um, and I guess in some ways it's the same fears that everybody has. They're all just human innate fears, uh, providing for yourself, having a good time, being with other people, that sort of stuff, getting, sort of growing your life, right? But when but when it's you and only, the only person that can impact it is you, 
that can weigh heavy at, t- at times. A little bit. And there's and there's that thing as well of be of the dual thing of not only being the person who deli- you know as a freelancer not only being the person who delivers the widgets you know who who designs the things uh, you know in my case who edits the podcasts but also the the person who is a business person and what that means and you know for me like the 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 sort of the stories that I've told myself about you know when when things have been tight that imposter syndrome then just comes in of like okay like I know I can do what I do that's all right but now I don't feel like I'm even a grown up you know now I just feel like someone who's playing at running a business like yeah. playing at being a freelancer like I was I don't know however many years ago now 12 no 17 years ago when I when I first you know did did a little freelance thing in my parents bedroom you know my my bedroom in my parents house um yeah there's we can tell ourselves some some awful things that because we have we have this sort of dual thing that we have to be good at the thing that we do and we also have to be uh at least some kind of level of hot at business <laughs> yeah you're wearing about 20 hats aren't yeah. you when you're running your own business because like if you're the it manager if something goes wrong which is painfully frequent sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and at the worst possible times always always you are you are an accountant in some ways because you're still doing all your invoicing you're still chasing up payments you you've got to do contracts you've got to have difficult conversations with people if they're not fulfilling their end of the bargain there is a lot of stuff that working for somebody else just does not prepare you for and i was in a senior position at my old place and had a lot of that responsibility which i'm very grateful for that i was able to do some of that but some stuff i didn't like invoicing wasn't anything to do with me um chasing payments wasn't anything to do with me and getting contracts sorted wasn't anything to do with me all of that sort of stuff wasn't anything to do with me so there is a lot of Going into take networking events, going into networking events when you're fresh as a freelancer or a business owner, and standing in like being in a room with people who, in your own head, you're like, these guys are seasoned professionals, they've got it all nailed. And eventually you start realizing, not no, they don't. What they actually have is a really good network of support, and they might have a load of experience and have it nailed, but in sort of the early stage businesses, they the best thing is having other people in your position or slightly senior or in different industries, whatever it is that you can pick up the phone to or send a message to and just be like, I've got this problem. I've never encountered it before. Have you experienced it? And what did you do? And having that advice to be able to then go, oh, right, okay. I, I, I feel like I'm equipped to do it again now. You've you've written like on, I guess staying on the sort of the 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 loneliness thing to a degree. You've written about um, having a weekly uh, group that you can check in with, and I'd love you know I'd love I'd love to talk about that because that's been so valuable for me. You know, I I, I was on a cohort based uh, program in 2020, and then we we did a follow on in uh, the the uh, once that finished in uh, early 2021 and we're still meeting every week now um you know that it started as a paid thing we now all just we, we meet over zoom and we just yeah it's like you said in your piece like it's it's not a sales thing it's 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 not really networking it's not networking it's just what's what's on our minds what do we want to help each other with and and that feels so valuable yeah it was something a friend of mine 
suggested and started through LinkedIn. He just put a post out there, I think, saying that we're going to start meeting at Friday at 12 or whenever it was over Zoom. Would anyone like to join us? And it was great. I met really interesting people. One of them now runs my sort of domain and hosting and that side of stuff. One of them I'm working with on a web project at the moment, but I didn't go into it expecting any of that. I went into it expecting to have a nice chat with some nice people once a week or once a fortnight. And we barely talked about work. We introduced ourselves and said what we did, but all of the subsequent ones to that were just, how's your week going? What are you up to? Are you doing anything nice this weekend? It was it was basically replacing the office walk, all the stuff. And then during COVID, it was also replacing the down the pub with your mates thing that you could no longer do either. Um, and having that freedom to just go, oh yeah, it's not a very good week. And here's why. And then they'd like do what all friends did, right? You'd all talk about it. Or if it was, if it was a work problem, then we'd all hush that out as well. So it was, it was really useful just to be able to have that connection again yeah. with people. Sometimes it's just so useful just to be able to commiserate and and not. It's like I don't want to come here to necessarily for you to solve my problem. I just want to say that it's shit, and and I just want you to go, yeah, it is shit, isn't it? And we can all just sit in that for a bit, and yeah, and because most of the time with certain problems, you know how to solve it. You're just looking for someone to agree with you that it's a crap thing to be going through, yes. and then you can solve it then because you've processed it. One of the things that you've you've touched on in in a couple of your pieces is this idea of hustle and when you're starting out or even when you're so many years in that you've got a hustle and what is your relationship with that with that word with that whole idea uh i actively fight against it (laughs) and if if i could never do anything that's described as hustling in my life i'd be the most content man in the world. (laughs) I don't like rushing. I don't like the feeling that you always need to be doing something and that's the only way to succeed because I think that's really damaging to mental health because A, it's not sustainable and you'll burn out and then what do you do? The only thing you know is hustling and going too fast. Your body can't do it. And I think, I don't know what the exact statistic is annoyingly, but I read something the other day that in the last 50 years or whatever, we've got like 300% more productive and efficient with work, but pay's only gone up, gone up so much. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but if we're getting, if, if all of our tools are allowing us to be this efficient with all the things we do, maybe we don't need to be working nine to five, five days a week anymore because we don't need continued perpetual growth of finances and of output to do what we need to do that's detrimental because we who's stopping and pausing to go we've done a good job and this is enough and being content there's no time for that anymore the hustle culture is about onto the next thing and where's the next money coming from and what's my next project and you must have a side gig and you must do this and you can't spend any of your time in your pants in front of Netflix eating cereal from the packet and you should be able to. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> a, yeah, a, a, uh, so I, I know there's a, I think it's the third or fourth law of thermodynamics that's something like 
a system based on perpetual growth is unsustainable. I only know that because there's a Muse song that quotes it, uh, <laughs> which goes into like a filthy bit of dubstep, and it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but it's it's all about um, the economic crash of you know cause that album's now uh, ten or eleven years old. It's my favourite one of theirs, um, and and it, it's it's a whole thing about that um, as, you know like a society based on uh, or an economy built on endless growth is unsustainable. Unsustainable. Um, <laughs> And having run a software as a service business that was always felt like its head was just sort of above water, that led me to this idea that I can't, I can't stop. I have to keep pushing this Sisyphean boulder up this hill. Instead of actually thinking, okay, well, you know, it's easy to do these things with hindsight, but like, well, actually, you're making your income is okay, but your outgoings are too big, too, you know, so. You've put all this money into infrastructure because you've had this idea of what size the business is supposed to be rather than, well, how about we take care of what size it is right now? And if I'd done that, then you know I'd probably be a little bit more secure and I'd have my, my nice little customer base that I had and be able to sit contently and watch that for a little bit rather than constantly feeling like I had to push and push. And so it's one of those things that can creep up on you. It can be hard to actually identify until after the fact, I think. Yeah. And I think the way I got around it, and this won't work for everybody because everybody's contentment point is different. Mine is being mentally in a good place and sustainably and like consistently in a good place. The ups and downs are what are not good for me at all. Mm -hmm. And then financial security of, I know, if my boiler breaks, I can fix it and we've got what we need and we can live the life that me and my wife have tried to build and want to live. And I am i don't have any desires on becoming a millionaire and having more and more and more money because what am I going to do with it? I'm going to buy better equipment. I'm going to buy more computer games. I'm going to go on more holidays. I'm going to... I don't need more. Sometimes you've got what you need and actually that's not fill that's that's a plaster over what you actually want that'll make you happy. And so I've set I set myself financial targets loosely. They are loose. And it's not a target, it's a minimum. And if I get above that, I've had a good year. So it's not about growth for me, it's about getting the life I want, which is a certain amount of money will afford me that life. Anything over that, brilliant. Anything under that, I need to do some more new business. <laughs> and obviously, and then you can predict that because you can forecast it, and you know what you you know what you currently earn, and you know what you want to earn. You know like, that's business. But software as a service, for instance, is a is a good example in that we're Netflix as a service. They are chasing subscribers and more subscribers and more subscribers and more subscribers, ignoring the fact that they're losing subscribers. They just need to see continual growth, but they're going to, what's the end goal? Yeah. What happens when everyone's on Netflix? Yeah. So, and obviously that can't happen in the current geopolitical no. climate, but if we, and what are we on? Seven and a half billion, something like that people on this planet. Mm. If everyone had Netflix, would the Netflix CEO and stakeholders be happy or would they be sad because their forecast for next year is can only possibly go down? Mm -hmm. They'd be sad <laughs> because they're not getting growth, which is insane. 
Yes. And Caesar wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. <laughs> yeah. They'd probably start trying to beam it to Mars and hope that there's someone there that can pay. Or, or well, how can we pipe Netflix into the womb so we can get them at that, <laughs> at that early stage, you know? Or have some weird genetic program from Netflix, which is favouring more children being born so, yeah. <laughs> so that the population grows and they'll get into that instead. They won't be a software as a service business anymore. They'll be babies as a service. Oh, God. <laughs> They've pivoted <laughs> into children. Yes. <laughs> like, it's unsustainable. So especially when you look at the climate situation and the cost of living crisis and things like that, that level of growth and I need more and I need more stuff and I need to be making more money than last quarter it's bad for mental health. It's bad for the people that have to work in those businesses. And ultimately, it's not going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. Because by and large, you're going to have periods where you don't hit those targets. And you've made up those targets. Yeah. Why, why are you doing that to yourself? Why is the pressure there? If, if, if you've got a sustainable business that's serving your needs, and if you've got staff that's serving their needs... I would rather, and I'm not planning on having full-time staff necessarily, but I would rather have a business that if I did have full-time staff, if we overreached our targets, everybody else benefits from that because they did the work rather than, yay, we've made more money, we'll keep that and pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, I really appreciate that actually as as a... Because I think I, I've I've set, you know, I've, I've gone with targets and, and that kind of thing and, and you know... When I when I sold that that business last year, which always sounds grander than it really is, I then you know I set about sort of starting from scratch and and I really did like I I pretty much had to had to rebuild because I I sort of thought this there would be stuff that would sort of translate and and I could take with me and it really didn't work out that way so I kind of had to start again and part of what what that meant was then trying to basically guess at the numbers that you can get rather than sit there and go okay well what do i need yeah what is the the a good minimum uh at which everything else after that is a is a really happy bonus or can be tucked away you know what what do i need and then maybe yeah what would be sort of nice to have but like really starting from from that basis of you know what do i need to be happy i think or cuz yeah cuz i think i was probably going on like what do i need to survive whereas actually what do i need to be happy i think it seems to be a a, a much a much better way to do it and probably a lower number than than we might imagine. Yeah, it, it will be. It'll definitely be a lower number than some people are thinking because if you really put it down to brass tacks, as long as, and I don't, I, I don't believe in Laszlo's hierarchy of needs, but if we go with that style of thing, it's not far up that before you're content because you've got what you need and you, you're fine. You're not struggling for anything. You, you, you're not having to get a loan out for stuff like you've got enough to do what you need to do right and if that includes a holiday or several if that's what someone's hobby is then work out what that is for you and then build your business to give you that because if you're just building a business to get endless number is numbers increasing when are you enjoying it yeah when is enough enough yeah what's the, what's the beef of maslow then I mean, I haven't really looked at it in many years, but I think I read something, and it might have been absolute tosh, that basically disputed everything he ever said. And I, th and I think he even might have disputed it. I think he decided that well, he spawned this thing and then looked back on it after a number of years, kind of like the guy who made the AK-47. Right. And really regretted what he did because it was overly simple. or so There was something fundamentally wrong, but it was so widespread at that point that he couldn't take it back. 
and I'll need to fact check that because I might have just talked out my ass. <laughs> that's, that's, that's future Mark's problem. He, he'll, <laughs> he'll figure that when he comes to the edit. Well, this feels uh, as good a time as any to uh, for, for future Mark to interject into the episode. Hello. Uh, you might notice a slight tonal difference between future Mark and past Mark, and it's that future Mark has has got COVID. Uh, it's a long-time follower, first-time uh, infected. So, uh, hi. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, that aside, uh, what a wonderful conversation uh, with Nick. We get into a little bit more as well about why it is so important for Nick to be vocal and open about his uh, struggles with mental health. And there is uh, an email address as well that Nick has given me. I'm not going to put it in the show notes because you know what it's like. You expose email addresses to, to the world. But it is in the transcript. And it is hello at studiobackground.co. So if you do, if you're going through something or if you just want to, if you just need to know that another human being is there and not even has to understand but can hear, then... Hello at studiobackground.co. Have yourself an email with Nick. You can also find Nick online uh, uh, on LinkedIn, and you will find links to him and all of that stuff, uh, as well as a refutation of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs uh, discussion uh, in the show notes, and also at earbrainheart.com. That is also where you can go if you would like to sign up for occasional updates from me um, in terms of what I'm doing, what I'm providing, events. Uh, workshops and uh, other little offerings that I have to help solo uh, preneurs and small teams use their voice to build trust and connect with their audiences. And so we go back to the conversation then and uh, we'll, we'll pick it up as we started talking about social media and our own particular issues with it, uh, takes on it, um, where we are at the moment in the in the social media landscape. Well, so if anyone if anyone Google's me or searches me, I I do have Facebook because I'm a member of one Facebook group for my business <laughs> yes. that I don't actually look at, but I set it up when I started my business because there was one group I wanted to be in, and I haven't looked on it in many months. Sorry, Will. <laughs> then Instagram, I fell into the trap of mindlessly scrolling a lot. Uh, so that's I'm, I've still got accounts for me and my business, but I don't look at it anymore. It's not on my phone, and I don't I've never looked at it mm. on the computer. Um, so I periodically post on it from the business, but I don't do anything on it myself. LinkedIn I use because I kind of have to, and it is good for what I need it to do, but I don't really engage in it that much and tend not to post. The social media, and I think a lot of people wouldn't say this is social media, social media I use the most is Reddit. And I'm not some kind of weird Reddit user, but there's certain subreddits like cycling and for my sports team and that sort of stuff that I am actively involved in because they bring me joy. But I very early on realized that social media was nothing but a negative for me and my mental health. It was, I was comparing myself to other people's lifestyles. I was wishing my life was better. I was wondering why I didn't have the things that other people were seemingly doing, getting jealous and after I'd got rid of all of them from apps and phones and deleted my actual Facebook account and all that sort of stuff, I realized there was nothing on there that I needed. And I left Facebook 2016, I think it was. And a load of my friends were like, well, how will we invite you to your party? Well, to invite me. 
<laughs> if all, if you're just ticking me on a Facebook thing because I don't want to come. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if you truly want me there, you will reach out to me. I'm still contactable on all forms of phone, WhatsApp, all that sort of stuff. You can still you know get how a hold we used of to. We, you know, yeah. we used to ring around. We used to ask people, "Do you want to come to a thing?" Yeah. So that that was the only fear I had was when I was leaving. That was, will I lose touch with a load of my friends and? All of the people that matter most to you will reach out to you in other ways and they don't need it to do that. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the sort of show-offy side of me that social media presented and then of others. Yeah, I, I, I recently took the step of, uh, I went through a huge thing last week, uh, I think it was, of unfollowing pretty much, well, in fact, everyone in my personal account that was to do with work um so all these people that were in the space that i was in because there's a you know podcasting it, there, there's there's sort of two there's very much two worlds there's the world that i inhabit and then there's which is sort of the larger you know bit between bit underneath the, the the of the iceberg that that pokes out and then the bit that is the loudest is this sort of it's all about ads and it's all about money and success and uh, all that kind of very gleaming, showy, offy, um, and and I just I I was getting like you know you've you've given voice to a lot of the the feelings I was having of you know it was bringing up these ugly feelings of of jealousy and resentment and why can't I have that and I'm entitled to this and like I hated those feelings inside myself and it just yeah it was that moment of, of just going why 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 am I doing that then why am I doing that to myself like. They don't. I don't actually have that much of a benefit. Like, so Twitter is the thing for me. That's that's my that's my absolute like. Gotta have it. Daddy just needs his fix. Um, and and I'm trying to find ways to you know to wean myself off. But like just unfollowing everyone on Twitter it, it, who was related to that was so helpful because I just. I mean, I'm seeing a completely different depressing. <laughs> <laughs> world now uh which is making me take a state further step back because everybody you know with current events everybody's got their take and it's all depressing and sad and everybody's angry at everybody else and, and that's a lot and and that's just i can't i can't take that on now so i'm probably going to take a further step back but just just sort of realizing like it actually doesn't really help my business anyway i don't get business through social media no matter how hard i try i don't, I, I really don't you know the odd linkedin post has worked has got me something that's not to say it's all about conversions like you've still got to show up and you still do the things but yeah this all 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 the sort of yeah the engagement and then just being forced to yeah, read about how what a spiffing boffo time lots of people are having that, that you then compare yourself and, and, and it just breeds this sort of, yeah, unhealthy resentment and whatnot. Especially when you, I mean, I'm a cynical man at the best of times, but <laughs> how much of it's true? And then the people that are doing it and lying about how great their life is, like you can rent a, the inside of a jumbo jet to take fun of it. It's like you go around the world and stuff like that kind of stuff. That, without getting pop psychologist, that to me is the most depressing because that shows they're not happy. And this is, this is why why are they doing it? And I, I'm very private, so I, I never really shared on social media anyway. Apart, I'm very private apart from talking about my mental health, which I do endlessly. <laughs> um, 
but no, like I'm private about the rest of my life. But the people that feel the need to put everything on there and then fabricate these illusions of a better life without getting on my soapbox, that speaks to a bigger societal mental health problem than I think most people have faced up to yet. And I just wish people could, again, be more content with what they've got and not, it's part of hustle culture again, isn't it? It's striving for that next fix of thing that's going to mag magically make your life better. And even if they are being completely, well, I was going to say, even if they are being completely honest, even if they're not lying, um, that doesn't mean that they are painting an honest picture. No. Um, because, yeah, you know, people are going to share, and I think we'll, we'll get onto this very shortly, like people will share their successes. People really don't share, I lost that project, like I lost that client, or, um, you know, I, I pitched for loads of different work this week and none of them, you know, panned out or whatever. Like, we, we don't do that. We, we we celebrate and we don't commiserate. And so, yeah, we, we, we are led to believe that because of what we see, it's that whole thing. We compare our insides to other people's outsides. I'm sure someone's done it, but maybe we need to make a social media app that's like Downer or something. It's just all your <laughs> negative stuff. And we can put it on there and people can say it's fine and they've been through it too. And we hey, could just be yeah. a supportive group of Debbie Downers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, down, yeah, it has to be Downer, down, down yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Be like it's 2005 again. Um, this was probably to you sound like a silly question, but I think it's one that needs to be asked. Why are you so open about your mental health? Uh, because for 10 years I wouldn't, and I wasn't, sorry, and I almost took my own life on several occasions. And it's that, it's that basic. If I'd have been honest about it then, I wouldn't have had 10 of the most miserable time, years of my life. And if... I knew someone that had been through it because I didn't think anyone had been through depression before in my network. If I'd known someone that had, I would have felt much more like I could have been open about it and confronted it. And instead what I did was pretended it wasn't there and it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Because uh, I didn't seek help. I didn't, I didn't get any help from peers or medical professionals or anything for a very long time. And I think... What I'm trying to do by being open about it is even if nobody talks to me directly, they see me talking about it and learn not to do what I did and that it's okay to talk about it because we're all going through stuff to varying degrees. And just because you're depressed doesn't mean that you're not worthy or a valuable person because that's what I didn't feel like. It took all my humanity away, really. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There. Yeah. There. There aren't. There. Aren't, there's no follow-up sentence to that. Uh, I appreciate that. Something that has always pissed me off about mental health is the phrase "man up." Mm. I hate that phrase because it implies anybody going through anything difficult is no longer a man, and toxic masculinity is the reason a lot of males take their own life, and it's two thirds of suicide is men and a large part of that is because other men are assholes to other men and do not appreciate that they need support and we for some reason as a gender have the idea that 
we have to have a shield that no emotion gets shown. And it's changing for the better very slowly, but it is still there. I still hear the phrase man up. I still hear other things. There's a stigma around it, particularly in men. And part of it is being there for men. So a good friend of mine, he's had a mental health journey as well. We bonded over it. We got really pissed and we talked about it all and had a little cry and a hug and just reminisced about how shit it was. (laughs) And periodically now, we just send each other the odd message, just going, are you doing all right? And it doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just that would have meant the absolute world to me 10 years ago when I was in my worst period. And nobody did it because nobody knew I was going through it. And I I thought I had to present a manly vibe. And I was fortunate that it didn't end up as it could have done. But a lot of people aren't. So check in with your friends. Even if you think they're fine, just ask them. You'd be surprised what they'll say back. 